Hi, I'm Kalina. And I'm Peter. Welcome to Tap Into Extraordinary. The podcast for go-getters, big dreamers, and overachievers. Join us as we discover what it takes to tap into the extraordinary. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, and we are back. Another Monday, another episode of Tap Into Extraordinary. And I am very excited for this one because we have someone who is absolutely extraordinary in their own right, like all of our guests. But um, I think we, I'm particularly excited for this conversation because personal development, as you all know, it's very dear to my heart and coaches and mentors have played such a big role in my development and who I am today. And I'm sure Peter would agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so on today's podcast, we actually have Cheryl Clement, who is a coach for the world change makers. Uh, I want to say that because reading through some of your experience and the things that you have done, um, I truly believe that is true. Um, but I we would to start off. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Cheryl. And please tell us a bit about yourself and what do you do. Thank you very much, and it's a lovely, warm uh, introduction. Um, so, as you say, I'm a coach. My name's Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Clements, and uh, I work with people who I believe to be extraordinary. Um, they are people who are leaders. Um, they are founders. They are um, working in like working in. in industries where they're trying to make a difference um, so the work that I do with them is really to help them get closer to, to what they want um, help them to um, achieve the things that they want to do and to have the fullest impact that they can have and so really I ask them the questions that no one else is asking them and I'm there as a, a kind of sounding board but also someone that uh, can truly impartially believe in what they do and help them get what they want and i think your your um background when you when you go into this kind of stuff particularly for business people is that you know you you're part you've been part of a, of a startup yourself before so you have yeah. that that relevant experience as well tell us a little bit more about the the startup that you were part of and what you did there so yeah so um so way back when i started my career as a lawyer so i moved quite far away from that um and the after after being a finance lawyer actually um i became fascinated by how do you how do you how do you do business uh, better how do you do business that's about helping your customers first um and your team um looking after your people and then um by extension um it's profitable or by extension there's the, there's money um, to return to shareholders rather than putting shareholders first um and this was kind of quite a while ago so it, it wasn't such a kind of a top mission led wasn't such a topical thing um, but I met somebody who was also interested in that and um, he and another woman, um, so Perry and Adil, the three of us, um, were really interested in uh, that through the lens of creativity. Um, we saw that there was uh, amazing people around the world who had um, big ambitions, creative ambitions, but unless they were like London, New York, Paris, then they, the, the, or the education wasn't there for them. So we, um, we did online education for creatives which um again like now LA is so great that everybody can access making courses and sharing their knowledge but back then that wasn't the case so um we we like developed a platform we developed um 
um, the, the courses and we worked with industry experts so people that were actually doing this work so if you were a fashion photographer you'd be taught by Nick Knight who's a, a big fashion photographer and we we kind of facilitated that by filming and also um, supporting the students and that's where I got my love of coaching because I could see that we had these amazing students who were were very ambitious they were had opportunities to put their work in front of people that they respected but quite a large proportion of them wouldn't just kind of stop submitting or they would like miss the deadline and I was really interested in that gap between what you want what you say you want and actually what you do um, and so I introduced coaching for the students and that became um, it wasn't me doing it at the time but we got outside coaches and um, that became kind of one of the most used bits of the course and we grew the company from the initial three to um at its height 80 80 members of the team and we got vc funding um so we kind of went on that trajectory um we had a big warehouse office and i'm sure there was a ping pong table so it was like the classic mm. startup um, stuff um and that was uh yeah it was fantastic learning experience for me fantastic so I think with with your experience, um, and this is a, a key question that we wanted to ask in this episode, knowing that we were going to be speaking with you, um, because of the kind of people that you've coached and you've come across during your career, and probably almost on a day to day basis, like you say, you you coach and work with people who you believe to be kind of like you know trailblazing, if you mm. were. Are there any common themes that you've noticed amongst successful people as you've encountered them? Uh, yeah, really. I think that obviously everybody is like different and they have their different lens on the world. But the things that I've seen that unite people in success are that they're driven by something bigger than them. Um, that's not just, okay, and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's not just how do I get a promotion and like I want to get that because I, I, I want to, I don't know, have a bit more money or what have you. Um, it's about people the people that I work with and I see that are doing big things is that they want to give something back in whatever way that means for them. Um, and they want to have an impact at a big scale. Um, they, they want to, they want to have a business that, um, yet creates, um, success um, for them, but it's also about, okay, leaving a mark on the world in a positive way. Um, so that that theme of being very mission led, I see with the people that are doing uh, doing those big things, um, and I think there's also a willingness to challenge themselves or be challenged. Um, they they're not just they're, they're they're putting themselves out there and they're putting themselves in the way of potential rejection or potential risk or having to understand new things about themselves but but they kind of move into that space even though it can be very hard rather than kind of sitting on the sofa thinking oh yeah I'd really like to do that but I'm not going to because of x y and z so I think that that willingness to to move forward is really common as well that's really really interesting some of those there I mean just the willingness not to not to kind of like fail mm -hmm. I, I don't I've always found it a weird one right because yeah I've been afraid of like not being in a position where I tried something and then having to look back on it and think oh my god I wish I had done that type thing uh, I think we all carry some version of fear or failure in some way I think maybe it's just about how you leverage it and how you use it the mindset behind mm. behind how you utilize it more than anything else I've always found it a very interesting psychological uh, paradigm to 
to have to juggle a lot of uh, time. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really agree. Like, I think people, it's that like knife edge of put, stretching yourself so failure becomes more, more inevitable because you're taking bigger risks. And even if you're not, and, and dealing with the kind of psychological um, discomfort that comes that comes with that, because it, like I think we all like can get pulled back into our to our kind of like safe safety zone, and mm. and that safety not just uh, taking a risk that it might fail, but also there's safety in the thought that oh well if I did it it would work, but I'm not going to do it because I might prove myself wrong, um, and like that's so that we're kind of always looking for for safety, but people that are, are willing to, to kind of nudge themselves out of that. And I think that does come from seeing something bigger than, than you because it becomes, it's like, it's actually, if you're doing it for a bigger reason or you really understand your, your personal why, then there's more, there's more, uh, I guess, like, yeah, there's more energy behind doing it because you can't, you, like, there's, there's a bigger reason. Whereas if you're just doing it to, but like, because you want to buy like a, a new car or something, then that that's not like not maybe got that same comp- compelling drive that that some of the big missions have. But what I noticed in a lot of those common teams that you highlighted for the trailblazing people that you coach, that all of them are driven by intrinsic motivation. All of those like leaving your mark on the world, uh, being driven by. Uh, having impact larger than you, all of those are like intrinsic, like motivational factors, I would say. And none of those was having that big house, like mm-hmm. having the big car. Uh, so it's quite interesting because we've talked about this on the podcast previously and we talked about this on our Instagram lives on the podcast as well. And like, I, I don't think we can stress this enough in a world where everyone is on social media and everyone's driven by what you have and what you own, not necessarily the impact you're making. Uh, so it's a conflicting time to be alive, I guess, where as much as we all say we want to have impact, equally everything we consume or a lot of what we consume around us is centered on materialistic, like, factors. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, I totally, like, really see that with when you, like, when you start working with someone and you really want to uncover what success means to them. And, and so, and, like, so then you kind of get below the surface and, um but also like what success you're willing to allow yourself to have because it's like it's only when you really like dig into it that it's very easy like you can say success oh, I'd love to have a beautiful house and um blah 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 blah, blah. and that's very it's top of mind because as you say it's it's there all the time but it's it takes it's a bit more it's a bit riskier to like explore like what does what does like a, a life well lived mean to me personally or to you personally and to really explore that um um, and about you know, the intrinsic extrinsic motivation point is something I find fascinating because I see that it, even from such a tiny age, as you know, I've got a young son, um, how we condition people to be motivated by rewards. So looking at things like reward charts or stickers um, in like in schools or in a home or like you're tra- like you're training a child to do something. Um, but then you're training them to leave themselves behind and just to, to work, work on getting that sticker from the teacher or the praise from the parent. And, and there's nothing wrong like with supporting and encouraging, of course. But if you like from that tiny age, we can start 
um, training people to be move away from themselves. And I think that that just gets more and more and more through the education system and through like into whatever you have, you proceed in your own life to be looking outside yourself for six to feel that you've been successful. And then it creates a massive gap when you suddenly achieve all these things and you're like, Oh, why do I feel so shit? Like what, <laughs> what mm. I've got it and I feel awful. So it's a big yeah. one. I think that's really, really important. Um, I learned the lesson of intrinsic motivations when I was working in Canary Wharf and it was my, it's kind of my, my sponsor slash mentor at the time, Richard Horner. He was the one who really got me to focus into like, why are you here? Like, what is this all about? Like, if, if you're going to go out and earn all this money, what are you doing it for? And he really, really used that to ground me in, okay, if I'm going to put all this work in, this is the reason why I'm doing it. And it, and it really pulled me through. And I, I say it all the time, you know, when you're doing very, very long hours, finishing one, two o'clock in the morning, it's not fun. You're knackered. When you're getting up the following morning at five, six o'clock, like you have to have a, a real intrinsic reason why you're doing it. Otherwise you'll give up when it gets tough. And that's often what happens with a lot of people. I just wanted to bring it back to something that Cheryl said a bit earlier around the success we allow ourselves to have. And I think it's something that I am very, very interested in because even as an overachiever and like I would say I'm a high performer, I still think like there is a lot of work to be done around my limiting beliefs and like how much success I allow myself to have or how much success I believe I'm deserving of and so on. So there's so many like internal barriers there, but I think and I think most people don't even realize they have them until they start doing the work or working with a coach. So I'm very interested to hear from you around some of the, amongst this, like some of the other challenges that you see your clients come across and how would you advise them um, in overcoming those? Mm, yeah, you're, you're right. That same, I think we all walk around with these uh, glasses on that we think that this is how what, what, what's available for us and, and that's what the world should be like. And then it's quite uh, exciting when you then let somebody talks to you and questions you or you, get, you see something and you start looking at life and think, actually, yeah, I can have that. I can do that. Um, and so um, I, mean, I think it like, how you overcome that is by being willing to to look at it and to be questioned and to to put yourself in front of people that are going to question you and or help you see that in yourself because um it's very hard to see that alone um in terms of what the success you're willing to allow yourself then i think that's a, a question to that you really have to sit with as a client and I of me personally as well because we tell ourselves so many stories and we tell ourselves the stories of what our, our upbringing was like um what our like which kind of like where we are in the world and we 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 just accept those as that's me that's why uh, what I am but um we're all we can change all the time like we're all very fluid and um we can we can change courses but you have to be willing to look at look at that and I suppose that's self-awareness isn't it and it's how do you get self-awareness um and even people I had a client the other day and I asked this it's going to be a question around that and she's like why can't I ask that question for myself it's a really logical question but you just you just don't and or you don't you can't you can't hear it in yourself and um, so I think that's it's really important to to find people who are going to challenge you in a, in a supportive way and I think the other challenges that I see with people are um, 
yeah, like a, a kind of critical inner voice um, that that happens, and um, and that people so you kind of you might say I want this, and then that voice like no, that's not for you. That's not like like who are you to think that you want that or can have that and rather than just kind of trying to squash that critical voice and I do a lot of work with people which is how do you understand what that part of you is trying to tell you like what is that part of you scared of like what does that part of you need to hear and often it's something from way back when um, that we've picked up and it's we can't like it just never works to try and overpower it or try and talk over it because it's normally a small childlike part of you that needs a bit of nurturing and needs to be heard needs to be reassured and then you can integrate it and move forward and so being willing to look at the different parts of yourself I think is something that clients often need to do and that is a challenge um particularly for people that are quite single-minded because they they let they don't understand why they have to do that work sometimes Hmm, interest okay i have to ask you this because i think maybe people who listen to this podcast will be interested to know so if you think of your most successful client mm -hmm. do they still have this whole imposter syndrome thing absolutely yeah i i think that it might get less and it but and it might um it might not be there to the extent that it has been in the parts of their earlier life but I mean, successful people generally keep moving forward and keep doing bigger challenges. So the like the the voice will come come with you, and once you've integrated it to a certain level, then you push yourself to do something else, or you're compelled to do something else, then it will come up. And I think that's something that's really, really, really important to know that everybody that you look up to has that. And I get that a lot with people who um, will say to me, "Oh, you you coach so and so. Gosh, she's so confident. Like she's just like killing it all the time." And obviously, like I, I'm discreet, but um, it's amazing to me because you see, like I see that let's see that behind closed doors the the reality of that or you see, i look at um i guess it's amazing the difference between social media so if i'm following some of my clients on social media and i'll see them in like having these amazing meetings there was this there was a phase when there were like three different clients were in going to number 10 for different reasons and i was like wow that's amazing and um, and then um but i also am privy to the doubt the, is this the right thing? Is this the right direction? Can I do this? Who am I? And um, so it's really good for me to see that as well. Um, but it, I think it's really important for um, the world to know that, that the people you admire most are still human and still doubting. And they can, they're probably, if anything, they get better at training themselves to respond to that in a different way. They don't let it like swamp them for months. They might just allow for like five minutes or 10 minutes or half a day, but they're all human. I can think of this podcast, aka Peter, who's currently living together. <laughs> I am, to be honest. I mean, with everything that's happened in the past week or so, I found myself in a situation where I was in a location and I was, I was, I was really, really, really nervous. And I was like, "Am I the right person to be in this room on this stage, speaking to this person for this opportunity?" And it was like that up until the camera was on and then it all just faded away. And I don't know, it's a very, very weird, it's a very, very weird thing. I was worried about it, but actually when it came to it, it was, it just like, it wasn't even there. And mm. I don't, it just kicks into me mode. Um, mm. It's comforting to hear that actually, to be honest. Yeah. So um, 
but yeah. yeah and I think then that experience there to me is really interesting because you're it's it's that for that moment before you'd forgotten all that you'd banked and it's like you didn't get onto that stage just by kind of like rolling out of bed one morning and suddenly have, you got there because of like the all the work that you've banked the experiences that you've banked the 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 development work that you've banked and so that's in you that's like it like that's like part of you now so then when you're on that stage it's there with you and so the the kind of the fear beforehand is very natural and it's also like if we can learn to welcome it it's like brilliant this fear is telling me that I'm so excited by this opportunity this fear is telling me that it wants me to like represent myself as well as I can like you know thank you thank you thank you for proving that I'm human and then relying on the fact that you've banked all the work you've done and this this brings us on to the, to the next question, okay? Because I think the way men and women operate in business is very, very different. I mean, I can only speak from a from a man's point of view. What I find is that you know men are full of bravado. We have these these egos that we feel that we need to massage and maintain and basically stress at every opportunity that we can possibly get. I'm interested to hear your experience of gender roles in entrepreneurship and business how have you found that dealing with different clients and how how it plays out mm, it's such a good like, a naughty complicated question and um, obviously I'm going to be coming at it through my lens as a like straight white woman so like so I, there's loads of other stuff that I want to think about gender that I just really don't like, uh, like know about and so I can speak from from what I see in myself and my and my clients, um, I think it is. I think it's challenge. It's challenging, and I think the thing that frustrates me the most about it is the waste. Um, the waste of that if we don't have a mix, a diverse mix of, of men and women, but also any other um, group, then we get worse decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that companies say that have a mix of men and women on their boards um, will be more profitable. Like that data exists. Um, so even if you don't give like, like don't care about the fact that we should have a more diverse um, world, then if you're motivated by the success of your company, then why not? Why, why are you not doing that? That to me is a massive waste. Um, I think there's a massive waste around um, quality of decisions. So um, talking to someone the other day about uh, electric cars and they weren't tested with pre- pregnant women and then they, um, then they get to the final stages and they realise that they're really dangerous for pregnant women so they kind of have to go back to the drawing board and like what a waste like and that's because you don't have a mix of uh, mix of people in, in the room and I think that's the same I was thinking like the with the government's media room that like that there was that big furore and it had a step it had like a small step but nobody was there thinking well hang on a minute what if we have somebody that's that that is in a wheelchair like so the fact that nobody that those decisions have been made without diversity in the room is um is a failing because you end up making worse decisions um that's me kind of like on my rant but um but in terms of the way of doing things and i've just um I think that we can offer, we can see women as a some of the challenges that maybe women identify with as problems to be solved. So, like companies will host like a workshop on how to be more confident in the workspace for their on International Women's Day, or they'll do um, like how to how to speak up more. And you know, we ought to be having sessions for 
for everybody on how to listen like rather than making it being the burden being on the 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 in many cases minority group to make things better it's like actually where are you opening opening things up and I think that that probably forms this idea that we equate businesses with like success in business with very stereotypical male skills mm-hmm. so or male attributes so to succeed in business then you need to be like driven confident like risk taker all these things and they and so therefore we're asking women to become more like that and that does a disservice to women. It does a disservice to men because men are whole people themselves. They deserve the space to be uncertain, to be empathetic, to be uh, to be quiet, to think, and um, not to have the answer straight away. They like they deserve that. And um, just as women have are allowed to have the opposite. And so, how do we how do we allow more space for for the balance? And um, I think the danger is that if we just continue to see that the like the, the the defining the best outcome is for people to become more male in their attributes will means that we make not such good decisions and I see companies that are embracing a bit more of an empathetic way a bit more of a compassionate way with their team with their clients they they're succeeding so even if you're cynical and about just want to be about making the most money then you should be thinking about this yeah it's 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 interesting the way you've put this and how you position this, it's because you, I think you're right. Business expects people to speak up, but actually you need to provide the environment where you're willing to actually listen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is actually executed or carried out enough because it's, it takes courage to speak up. You've got all of these things that are in the back of your mind, backlash or being blacklisted or, you know, half um, aside, you know, left out. But actually, if you create an environment where you listen, you're more likely to have people take have the courage to actually speak up. And I think that's a really interesting take, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's it takes guts to 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 be silent. It takes guts to to say, I don't know. Like we never see that with our leaders, like like in the political sphere, say there's but actually it's really, really, really heartening when you hear someone say, I actually don't know, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to work with like the best people or access different people to get to the answer rather than feeling like you have to be this kind of strong, like we kind of equate strength with this superhero characteristics that just doesn't exist. And then we get in the problem that people's egos are so caught up with appearing to be right and and um, appearing to have all the answers that they get backed into a corner and then we start making like bad decisions because we have to protect that at any cost and I don't know if that I guess we're being kind of stereotyped to think that some of those characteristics are more male than female and that yeah and and that's is something I suppose that I I do witness of a it's such a waste and it's and it's and it's painful for for women and men and i'm really interested in how do we create less like less pain for women and men so and so that then they can we can get better outcomes for everyone yeah. and i don't even know how to chip into this conversation because the lead of a women's inclusion network i literally I'm very involved with all of that i attended a meeting exactly a month ago where women wanted more help uh, in expressing themselves and were given confidence workshop. So, um, I, and yet there were no 
thank workshops for listening, for being a good listener. So um, I see a lot of that firsthand. I also see how my male vice presidents versus how my female vice presidents answer the questions. And I think you're 100% right. Like that empathy, I can relate a lot more. And I think it's a lot more personable when you see a leader own up that they don't know something or show emotion. Or I think one of the most powerful moments in the entire pandemic that I saw from a leadership standpoint was where our um, international vice president who is from Italy and when Italy was getting really hit uh, with the first COVID wave, wave and was really, really bad, um, being emotional in a company meeting and talking about the experience of her older parents being stuck in Italy and the fact that she can't see them and how scared she is for them and actually showing emotion. And I think us um, or society equating business success with male attributes doesn't create space for that, doesn't create space for her to be doing this in a company meeting and we lose it. That was the most powerful moment that I think in all of our company meetings for the entire pandemic, we probably had someone being human, being empathetic, showing the softer side, which I can't imagine seeing for many of my male leaders as empathetic as I think some of them are. And as um, I just don't think it's a genuinely attribute that comes naturally to men. And I think by us equating success to male, um, like skill sets or attribute uh, characteristics as such, we lose that, we're losing. And that's just one example of what we're losing culturally in businesses. But also, as you said, there's so much research out there that suggests that like having equal or um, diverse room and representations actually helps business performance as well. And uh, like businesses that refuse to be invested in it just puzzle me. And the fact that they just, if you don't care about diversity, then you should at least care about your profit line. And you clearly don't even care about that. This is how committed you are in staying in your mindset. <laughs> you don't even want to associate like see that it can have a positive impact on your profit line and that government campaign that you mentioned i'm not going to say but it actually costed 75 million to come up with a creative that was about stay at home save lives and only had women yeah. in housekeeping roles that costed 75 million talk about wastage <laughs> talk mm -hmm. about wastage if they had two women in the room they would have told them you're literally positioning women as homemakers and nothing else. There's not a thing. The men are going to work and the women were ironing clothes, looking after children and cooking. Juggling everything, yeah. Go back to the 50s. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's so, it's so it's interesting you say that because like during that time, I was like really seeing it everywhere and I was being served ads for a... Um, like a educational toy for children and it was every, every image in their ad was uh, of a, a woman like struggling to juggle between working and childcare and there was no pictures of men in there so I, I wrote to them like found out who the CEO was and I emailed it it was quite a young co company and I was like like what are you doing blah 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 blah, blah. and then he like engaged and he wrote back and he's like yeah I don't really like it either but those ads are our best performing ads and so and so I'm like, I'm a young company. I can't like, can't afford to spend loads on ads. So I'm going to keep going on the ones that like are best performing. And I was just so like disheartened by that because like, yeah, yeah, they are the best performing because the women could recognize themselves in that. They were the ones like we know, like mostly doing the juggling. Um, 
but it just like it just bothered me that then it's that an unwillingness to or an inability to kind of make a different creative choice and and to speak and to to represent things differently but then you're kind of caught by commercial constraints and I found that was quite quite challenging because as much as those adverts from the government were probably like they were wrong then they probably did actually sum up what many people were experiencing so it's like what comes first how do you change like, but they also perpetuate it so it's such a, a knot and like and I get that I mean during the pandemic we did see that a lot of women had to take up the role of looking at food children while they were at home while also balancing work but I think I would be pleased to attend an event or a panel discussion where a man gets asked, how do you balance yes. <laughs> your yeah. career? Or what sacrifices did you have to make? Yeah, absolutely. When that day comes around, it would be good. Um, but until then, I think it's, it's a moral dilemma for sure. I think mm. between, somewhere between, um, as you said, really driven aspects and if we never challenge those stereotypes or those best performing ads, how are we going to change things if we never exactly? And I think it does a disservice to to men as well because it's um, it's it's these attributes are like lead to. I, I mean, I, I can't, can't speak for for men, but I think they lead to a way of being that's not always comfortable to be either. This idea that you can't be wrong, you can't admit emotion. Like men, like we're not like men are still emotional. Like they still feel things. So why are they not being allowed? Like you say in that company meeting, a space, a space for a, like a, a male leader to say you know this is really this is terrible like I'm really worried for my family and, um, or these things but we find that quite shocking and we sometimes don't want to see that and so um, I think again go, it goes back to very like the early years we have for children that it's great that there are more many more books and like work being done to encourage uh, girls to see themselves as um, strong brave able to succeed any form that they want but we're still lagging behind on showing young boys that they can like it's completely welcome for them to be to feel upset to feel like to feel scared to feel like they they question things like we we need to allow them space for that as well so that then they can like then they can 25 years later stand up in a meeting and admit like um vulnerability yeah yeah and i think we do, we do know obviously the impact that that has been on the Mm. well I think for both genders so I think it's in everyone's interest that we make it a bit more of a even playing field or a more inclusive environment for sure whether it's business or entrepreneurship um but on that note I don't think we can finish this podcast without asking you the most important question of all which I kind of started your introduction with this uh but I would love to hear your definition of extraordinary and what does extraordinary mean to you oh it's such a good question it's such a good word extraordinary um for me it's extraordinary is a willingness to question and to 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 really look inside yourself to figure out what do you want like what is what does success mean to you what do you want the world to be like what do you what mark do you want to leave however big or small um but being like truly finding that honesty um and and then like living life from that place um extraordinary could obviously there's huge things aren't there there's people that do 
like such big things. And then there's people that live extraordinary lives that are much more quiet. So the people that are just, I don't know, like incredibly nurturing or an inspiring teacher um, or like the person, the person that, um, I don't know, like maybe doesn't, that like looks after their child and like helps their child be the best version that they can be. I don't, I don't think extraordinary has to be about output. I think it's a way of living that's very um, true to yourselves and and always seeking to understand things and question things um, and question yourselves, but also question the world. Like it's extraordinary to me when I see somebody, um, I don't know, like, uh, see they see somebody drop some litter and then they go and pick it up and like without any ego and then they go and put it in a bin just because that's the right thing to do like I think that um extraordinary avoids ego and it's about finding a, like a wisdom in yourself and and also extraordinary is knowing that you're not perfect you'll never be perfect and and so pursuing life from that like place of self-acceptance and compassion for yourself because then if you have it for yourself you're able to live life um giving it to other people um and that doesn't matter what you end up doing it just that's a way of living I mean it would be nice if I am thinking as I say that's like gosh what I'd like to aspire to but that's um yeah that's what extraordinary is to me that's pretty amazing and that's bit that's a very different um definition to what we've had already on the on the series <laughs> and i think this is why this is always going to be a great question and one that i think everyone should think about because it means different things to different people and it's so it should because mm. it's the difference i guess of how you're going to feel fulfilled in what you do and everything that you that you do on a daily basis how you just feel about life in general mm. um so that was amazing that was really really amazing thank you and as you said, it's very personal. But if you boil it down to like what you said at the end, which is being extraordinary is about self-acceptance and compassion. Accepting yourself is very personal for everyone. We're all so different as humans. So if that is so personal, then the experience of being extraordinary is so personal. And I, I absolutely love that question because I think it's what we have been trying to say all this time in the podcast. It's like being extraordinary does is not there's no prototype for it there's no stereotype for it there shouldn't be one there shouldn't be the instagram version of we are all extraordinary we're successful and rich um and i think it's so important to tap into it and to dwell on it to think about it to redefine what it means for you so i always love hearing what people's version of extraordinary is because it's such a unifying thing we all i'm sure most people would say they want to be extraordinary but what that means is so different from a person to a person and it's where true acceptance and like true like self-discovery lies like what does that mean to you mm-hmm. and then wouldn't it be lovely if like that's how if people were all operating from that like I just like to imagine what the what the world would be like if we were if we were all coming from that place and it just leaves us so much stronger and less uh less open to manipulation and exploitation and all of these things that we kind of get from the Instagrams and the adverts that we're served. It just allows us as an inner strength to that. And I think when you, when you have that inner strength, then you can be strong for others when they need it as well. And that you can build, like you can build uh, like good things rather than precarious, like, Oh, I'm building this because I, I don't feel like I'm good enough and I'm going to hide behind it. That's not, that's not going to last. And it's not going to be good in the world. 
that it would be, yeah, I'd, I would love, I'd love the world to kind of all come from that place of extraordinary. Excellent. Well, there you go, guys. This is a, another episode. I hope you found this really, really useful. Before we go, Cheryl, can you just let everybody know where they find you? Oh, thank you. Um, so um, I am at um, at the Cheryl Um So that's my website. And then on Instagram, um, and it's Cheryl with a C. So um, yeah, and if anybody um, is like what, what like is interested in this kind of conversation then I'd, I'd love to hear like what your listeners think of it because it's I, I think as you say it's so personal it's I'm interested what comes up for others when they hear about extraordinary fantastic so guys there it is go check out uh Cheryl we will be back again next Monday but in the meantime just remember you know don't be afraid to tap into your version of extraordinary because this is what it's all about at the end of the day have an amazing week, whatever it is that you're going to be doing. And we will catch you again on Monday.